Good morning, New Hope. Glad that you're here this morning in person and online as we continue in our series called Joyful, F-U-L-L. And so today I'm going to be talking in this series. Next week we'll finish up the series and then we'll be going into a series called Radar based on the Old Testament book of Jonah. And so we invite you back uh, for that series once we finish this series off and that series will sort of take us into Easter celebration. But I'm glad you're here this morning because we as a people want joy and we want to be full of it, F-U-L-L, right? Because each one of us in the room, regardless of age or experience, regardless whether you're on the west side of the tracks, east side of the tracks, regardless of family history or whatever, we experience circumstances that are difficult, that are hard. It's just reality in life. And the Apostle Paul has been writing the church in Philippi, the Christians there, and he's hammering over and over and over again in his letter to them about the reality and the truth that even in our life circumstances, we can be joyful. We can be filled with joy to help us walk through it. And Paul can write this. He has every authority to write this letter because he's writing out of his own experiences. Paul, in another writing, another letter, speaks about life circumstances where he was shipwrecked twice, where he experienced starvation being cold, being hot, where he was flogged, meaning whipped, 39 times, his back ripped open. He shares all these experiences that he personally had gone through. And he's writing them from prison. And he's writing about, regardless of circumstances, you can maintain a level of joy, being full of it. And he's writing in chains to the church of Philippi, not knowing whether like the next day, literally, he could just be executed because that's what prisoners were put in there for or just left to rot and die. Those were really the two options, potentially being released, but rarely in the Roman world. And so Paul's writing the church about this truth in his life, his experience. Up here, I have a glass, pretty obvious there. And the glass is filled with air. Can, can you see it? It's filled with air there. So how is it that I get the air out of the glass? If I want to get this air out of the glass... How is it I get the air out of the glass? What do I need to do? What are my options? Any ideas? Fill it up, right? Fill the glass with something other than air, all right? So I'm going to fill it with water. And by filling it with water, the air is now out of it. That is a picture of what Paul is trying to get through to the church of Philippi today in his writing. He's saying, listen, 
If we are full of anxiety, concern, worry, because of life circumstances, it's, if it's a situation's overtaking us emotionally, mentally, physically, it's, it's causing challenges in our life. The only way to get it out of us, to remove it from overwhelming us, in us, overcoming us, is to be in the Lord, is to get the Lord in us, for us to be in the Lord. The only way I was going to get air out of this glass was to fill it with something else. Paul's saying, hey, the only way you are going to get your anxiety, your concern, your sin, your, your situation, or whether that's overwhelming you out of you, is to get Jesus in you. Because as he's writing in Philippians chapter 4, in the verse, first four verses of the chapter, he mentions three times, three words, the phrase, in the Lord. In the Lord. And so he's saying to his readers, hey, if we want to overcome our circumstances, we do it in the Lord. Death of a loved one, in the Lord. Chronic illness, in the Lord. Income isn't meeting expense at home, in the Lord, right? Broken relationship, in the Lord. Stress over school grades, in the Lord. Anxiety of a work presentation, in the Lord. Friction in marriage, in the Lord. Kids aren't listening to you, <laughs> in the Lord. Bitterness and unforgiveness towards someone else, in the Lord. Vikings fan, in the Lord. I mean, it just is in the Lord, right? I mean, yeah. And so we see right away, as well in these first four verses, he says this phrase, in the Lord, and he uses it to a situation specifically that the church of Philippi is going through. He talks specifically about a fraction in relationships in that church between two women. And because of that, the church is being divided. And it's so interesting, I was just up at our men's retreat, came home last night and that, the speaker there is this morning in a church up north, and he's there because he's helping them resolve conflict in the church. And yesterday, he's, he's, he was talking about it a little bit, and he's saying, yeah, it's so interesting. This conflict is because of two women. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. That's just what Paul talks about right here. There's two women in the church of Philippi that have brought up conflict with one another, and it's dividing the church. And it's not just, it could be two men, it could be two youth. I mean, it just doesn't have to be two women here. But he says, hey, I placed with Judea, and I pleaded with Sinchia, to be the same, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true, true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. And so these are two Christ-following women that Paul is talking about, but here's a real-life circumstance that the church is thrown into because these two gals cannot get along for some reason. And they're 
friction with one another is dividing the church. Now, we have no idea what it is over at all, period. We have no history anywhere else on these two women and what the conflict was. But it was big enough, obviously, for Paul to mention it in his letter. And this is the only place that these two gals are mentioned. I mean, think about your own life and your own actions. I mean, would you want to go down in history as being the ones who, like, divided a church and be written in the greatest book ever written and the bestseller, like, for history until Jesus comes back? I mean, these two gals' names are in there as troublemakers. I mean, who wants that, right? And Clement's name is in there as the peacemaker. But what Paul is saying here is the way that you overcome this situation, this circumstance, is not by filling yourself with what you think is right in your position and your side and your bitterness and unforgiveness to the other person, but it is by being in the Lord. It's getting Jesus in you. More of him, less of you. And how do we do that? How do we maintain unity amongst one another? Well, we see it throughout God's teaching in our lives. You hear it at every wedding, 1 Corinthians 13. You want a great marriage? You want a great relationship? Well, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is gentle. It doesn't keep record of wrongs. Ooh, that's a big one, right? In Colossians 3, 12 through 14, it talks about how we are supposed to clothe ourselves. We are supposed to clothe ourselves with love, gentleness, patience, kindness. Bear with one another in love, meaning like, hey, cut each other some slack. So Paul's saying, hey, as you put on your physical clothes every morning, clothe yourself with the character of Christ as, as well, which is love, patience, gentleness, forgiveness. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And then he says as well in Galatians 5.22, you have the fruit of the Spirit in you, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And he's saying when we get the Lord in us, then he controls our situations, our circumstances, our responses. He is in charge. And this is how we overcome the circumstances and situations in life. This is how I am overcoming being in chains, wondering if my life is going to be here tomorrow or not. It is in the Lord. And we just see that Paul is just reiterating what Jesus was telling his disciples, telling those who followed him, those who were listening to him over and over and over again when he was physically with them. In Matthew 6, 25, he told them, hey, therefore, do not worry about your life. Hey, I know that you need clothes. I know you need food. I know you need work. I know you need finance. I know you need these things. Matthew 8, 26, he's in the boat with the disciples. The big storm comes up. Some of these guys are fishermen, Peter, John. I mean, they know how to handle boats, but in this one, they were scared to death. And they're like, Jesus, do something, huh? And Jesus looks at them, says, you of little faith, 
Why are you so afraid? I'm in the boat with you. I'm here with you. I'm near you. When we are in the Lord, when we are filled with him, he is with us. We can overcome life circumstances, walk through them, because we are in the Lord. Jesus said in John 16, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome it. I've walked it through. I've overcome it all, even to the end point of death and the resurrection. So I get it. So that's why in John 14, 1, when he's going to be, he's talked to his disciples saying, hey, I got to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be nailed to some wood, the cross. And they're anxious about it. They don't like it. They're trying to stop him and all that. And he's saying, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled by this. Believe in God, believe also in me. Fill your life with me. You want to get anxiety out because of your situation? You want to get sin out? Circumstances? Then be in the Lord. That is the goal. But how is it we get there? How is it we get in the Lord? Well, Paul writes the church this. And the first step to this is we have to first get in relationship with the Lord. We have to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. And to do that, we need to acknowledge our sin, ask forgiveness, recognize that he truly is God and we are not, and humble ourselves under him as Savior and Lord and acknowledge him as Savior and Lord and be in relationship with him. Because when we're in relationship with him, he then can fill us and help us walk through life circumstances. We see this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. It says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, so he says, he's at, you know, telling them, hey, you're my brothers and sisters. Why? Because we're both in relationship with Jesus Christ. We are children of God here together. You whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm, what? In the Lord in this way. He's telling them, hey, in your life situation, stand firm in the Lord in this way. In what way? He's referring now back to Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. He's saying, hey, have this mindset. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, right? So when we're in him, he is the one that brings things under control, manages our life stuff, walks us through it. He will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. So as we are in relationship with Jesus Christ, he transforms our life to look less like ourselves, more like him. And as we look more like him, as we get more of him in our lives, then we are going to respond differently to our life situations. And we are going to recognize that even though life at times can just be brutal, we can still have this constant current of being joyful. Why? Because Jesus is in us and he is in us the center of our situation. He is there. 
That's why the Apostle Paul says over in Ephesians 5.18, he says, hey, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, meaning all kinds of chaos and negative things. But instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because what happens in our life when chaos hits? What happens in our life when we can't be in control? Situation comes up that is difficult. Sometimes we run to food. Sometimes we run to drink. Sometimes we run to drugs. Sometimes we run and just scroll social media all day and all night. Sometimes we run to work. Sometimes we run to bad relationships. Sometimes we run out and buy a boat. What I mean, what I mean, it's just like we're trying to like, what's it gonna take? And Paul's saying, hey, listen, don't get filled up with all that other stuff. Be filled by the Holy Spirit. Be in the Lord. Because our natural instinct is to go to all these other things, right? But it doesn't gut it. Be filled with the Holy Spirit in the Lord. And so when the Apostle Paul is talking here and he's saying, hey, listen, be in the Lord, church, when circumstances come and you're overwhelmed. He's saying the first step to that is to make sure that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not just a religion where you're coming on Sunday or you, once in a while you think about it or whatever, you're hitting the time clock, hour in, hour out. But you are actually through the week, 24-7, in relationship with Jesus Christ. Just like you text people all day, you're texting Jesus all day long, in and out, in relationship with him, right? And the way that Paul says we maintain this relationship with him, especially when it it comes to life circumstances, is first of all, through praise. He goes on and he says in Philippians 4 and 5, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice! Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So here's the third time Paul says in four verses, Rejoice in the Lord. Get the Lord in you. And he reminds us, Again, I say rejoice. Why? Because the Lord is near. Regardless of where you are in your life circumstances, the Lord is near. I love the picture we get in Psalm 139 where King David says, hey, if you go to the heavens, he's there. If you go to the far side of the sea, he's there. If you go to the depths of the earth, he's there. I mean, he is there. I mean, you go over here, he's there. You go over there, he's there. He is there. And David says the way we maintain Jesus in us through our circumstances in life is through praising him. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. David, David in the Old Testament, Paul right here, they're saying, listen, praise God, worship him all the time. If you're going through life circumstances, challenges, I encourage you, if you don't already, put KTIS or K-Love or whatever, uh, Pandora with Hillsong or Elevation or whatever, in your car, on your commute, wherever you go, you get home, put it on at home, and let worship 
get Jesus in you and walk you through your life circumstances. You are reminded over and over and over again of God's presence. And it fills you, and as it fills you, it pushes out of you your anxiety, your control, your perspective, maybe your sin that you're dealing with, whatever you got going in life. I love the song that Justin taught us today. It was taught up at men's retreat yesterday, the same God, right? The same God that was for King David, Mary, Moses, is the same God that is today for you and for I. And it was a reminder of me yesterday of the same God that was with me when I received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord at 18, was the same God that walked me through college, was the same God that walked me in my marriage for the last 36 years, which has been awesome. But you know, marriage can be challenging at times. It's the same God that gave birth to our first daughter that we were uncertain if that was going to take place or not because of the complications of the pregnancy. It was the same God that moved with us up to Minnesota when, when we didn't know anybody and was going through school. It was the same God that got us through financial crisis, not just once, but numerous times, because life is life, right? It's the same God that walked me through cancer. It's the same God. And that, that song was just a reminder of like, hey, the God who is with you now in your crisis, because we all have one, I got one, is the same God that was with you when you were 18, 22, 32, 42, 52. It's the same God. And when we praise him and we keep before him in that, he fills us up and he takes the anxiety out and he brings joy. And so the apostle Paul is writing to the Philippians, reminding them of that. I love the picture we get in the Old Testament in Psalm 34 of King David. King David is literally running for his life from the Philistines. He's hiding out, trying to save his life. They want to put not just one spear through him, but five spears through him. They want to make sure that he's like dead, dead. But yet this is his response in Psalm 34. He says, I will extol the Lord at all times. The word extol means literally to worship enthusiastically. I mean, like just let it all out. But he says, at all times, even in this scenario where I do not know if my life will be here tomorrow, his praise will always be on my lips, meaning always, regardless of the situation. I will glory in the Lord, let the afflicted, like I am right now, hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me, let us exalt his name forever. And then this is what he says, I sought the Lord, he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. As David worshiped the Lord in his running from the Philistines, his anxiety was taken out of him, his perspective, his concern, his situation, and it was filled in with the Lord. And it said his fears were diminished. And so that's why Paul over and over is just saying, in the Lord. And one of the greatest ways it's just by worshiping him. There's that song, right? Worship me in the storm, right? And so Paul says, start with praise. But then he goes on from there 
and he says, go to prayer. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. (laughs) All right, Paul, right. I mean, yeah, yeah. Paul, he sort of set the bar high. But do not be anxious about anything. That's the challenge. That's the charge to us. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And so he's saying, hey, listen, the way we stay in the Lord is through a personal relationship with him. It's through praising him regardless of our situation. Get the music on, people. Get your lips going. Even if you can't sing, it doesn't matter. We're praising. But then go to prayer. Bring everything to him, right? Be anxious for nothing but in everything. So everything really means what? Everything. I mean, pray about the lost keys, right? We always do that, right? How many of us, right? But pray about your kid's situation. Pray about your sin situation. Pray about your work situation. Pray about your financial situation. Pray about your identity, if you're struggling with who you are, what your situation, regardless of what it is, your unforgiveness. Everything is everything. Pray about it and bring it to God, regardless. God is powerful enough to bring our big stuff to him, but yet he is gentle and understanding and kind enough like a heavenly father to understand the little things. And that's why Jesus said, hey, we need to have faith like a child. Why? Because our kids, when they were young especially, would come to us with what? Everything. And that is a picture for us as well before God. Just bring it all to him. I love the picture we get in the Old Testament, the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a slave. He's slave to the Babylonians, and he is a cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. And so the position of a cupbearer literally is to taste whatever the king is going to drink every day, all day, whatever he is going to drink, the cupbearer drinks it first. Why? Because if the cupbearer dies, then the king ain't going to drink it. I mean, literally, that was his job. Back in that day, because people were always trying to figure out how to take out the king. And so Nehemiah is a slave. He hears that his hometown back in Jerusalem, the people that actually were left there, not taken into slavery, that the walls are torn down, that the enemies are overtaking the city. They're taxing the people like crazy. They're bullying them and that. And so he gets word from his brother of the conditions. And he wants to leave being a slave, go to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. But he's a slave. He's just a cupbearer to the king. But he prays and asks God for favor. And he goes before the king. And the king says, hey, why are you sad? You've never been sad. The reason he's never been sad is because it's in the job description. You cannot be sad in the presence of the king. But the king liked Nehemiah. He said, why are you sad? And he said, why shouldn't I be sad? My hometown is in ruins. My people are being bullied, taken over. Why shouldn't I be sad? And the king says, what is it you want? And it says, Nehemiah prayed and answered the king. I mean, I don't think he said, hey, excuse me for a moment. And he went out and had this 15-minute prayer session with God. No, he prayed like in two seconds, God, oh, help me. God, I'm going in. (laughs) I'm going in, right? And then it says he answered 
the king. What do you want? Says he prayed and answered the king. I mean, that is such a picture of like prayer in everything, regardless. And that picture of like, hey, text God all day long what's going on in your life and invite him in. And so the apostle Paul is saying, listen, stay in the Lord. When we stay in the Lord, regardless of life circumstances, even in chains, we can be joyful, F-U-L-L. And we do that by a personal relationship. We do that by praising our God regardless of the storm. We do that through prayer and everything. And then I love what he says, through prayer and petition. Now, the word petition simply does mean request, but we know the other form of petition. When we as a people want something changed, whether it's locally or in government or like even in the school system or whatever, we could go around and get a petition, right? We have other people sign this petition, as many as we can, and then we go and we say, hey, this is what we want. This is what like we all want. And what I'm challenging you and Paul is saying is, hey, invite other people into your life stuff and let them petition God on your behalf. Let them knock on the throne room of heaven and say, God, I am coming on behalf of my friend Susie. I am becoming on behalf of my friend Jimmy in their situation. And you have all these people petitioning heaven on your behalf. This happened over and over and over again in the last two days at the men's retreat. The first night, Friday night, we break into small group after worship, the speaker and that, and we got six men in this small group, one of many. And before we even get started, one of the guys say, hey, you know, before we get into the questions over the topic and that, could we just pray? He said, one of my employees just had a baby today, but they don't know if it's going to make it. The baby was rushed to another hospital, separated from mom. Now, this is my employee. Tears in his eyes. He says, can we pray? And so we as one man, six guys as one man, we're knocking on heaven's throne room and saying, God, we need you to take care of this situation. And so we were petitioning And the next morning, we gather again in our small group. And he said, listen, just got a text this morning. All is well. All is well. But we paused as men, and we went to the throne room. We got in God's grill, you know. And last night, before I left to come back here, after worship and that, we had two guys in each corner of the room And during worship, guys could get up and walk to a corner and just tell the two guys there, like, what's going down in life. And there's all kinds of stuff going down in life. And those guys petitioned God on behalf of that man because they were too broken, didn't know what to say to God, couldn't even, whatever. And that's a picture of what Paul is saying here. He's saying, like, we stay in the Lord in our circumstances when we have a personal relationship with him, when we praise him, when we pray to him in everything, and then when we, we petition him, we, we get as many other people to say, hey, be praying for me, praying for me, praying for me. Go before God on my behalf. 
I love the picture we get of this in Acts 12. In Acts 12, Peter is in jail in Acts 12. He doesn't know what's going to happen to him. But it says, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And so the whole church got together on behalf and was petitioning on Peter's behalf. We read later on that God causes this earthquake. The doors of the prisons blow open and Peter just walks out. He walks over where they're praying. He knocks on the door. And they're like, who is it? We're praying here. Come on. You know what? He says, it's Peter. And they're like, no, no, he's in prison. No, it's really Peter, you know? And then, I mean, they didn't open the door until he said he had some pizza. So it's just, but uh, no, I'm just, but they can believe it, right? But this whole piece of going before God, petitioning. And so how is it we get our anxiety? How is it we get our sin? How does we get, you know, the circumstances we're in that just fills us up, right? Overwhelms us. The only way to replace it is by being in the Lord. He is the one who can overcome our circumstances, walk us through it, and give us this level of joy even amidst the storm. And so when we're in personal relationship with him, when we're praising him regardless of life, when we're praying to him in everything, when we're petitioning others to go before him, the result of it isn't always this answer to prayer or it turns out exactly like we want it to. But what happens is God does something in our life. He works in our life to help us walk through it. Let me read this. It says, God does not promise to change every situation to our liking. What he does promise to do is give us peace during any situation. In other words, God may or may not change the circumstance, but he will change our disposition toward it so that it does not overcome us, tank us, or trap us in inner turmoil. You see, Paul goes on and he concludes in verse 7, and he says, when we have a personal relationship with him, when we praise him in the storm, when we pray, when we petition, the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. So peace is the fruit of a personal relationship of praise, of prayer, and petition. What comes in our life circumstances is peace. Even though the storm may be crazy. Why? Because we are in the Lord. We are filled with him. And so this morning when you came in, you received a communion cup. And I'd like you to grab that communion cup because Jesus instituted communion when he was sitting with his friends, the disciples, the Lord's Supper, as we call it, and he instituted communion so that we will remember something, right? And what he wants us to remember is that 
He is with us, that he is for us, not against us, that regardless of our life circumstances, he is there. He is there. And so when Jesus took the bread, he said, this is my body broken for you. I want you to remember this. I want you to remember what I've done for you. I have taken the greatest thing, the cross, and your sin. And in Romans 8, it says, will I not provide everything else you need? And so do this in remembrance of me. Eat of it. He took the cup and he said, remember, this is a picture of my blood, which was shed for you, which covered your sin, which paid for your sin debt, which makes you right before your heavenly father. So regardless of life circumstances, recognize that you can never be pulled out of the family, that you are a child of God because your sins have been forgiven. You have acknowledged me as Savior and Lord. And so do this in remembrance of me. Drink of it. And so my encouragement to you this morning is to remember what Jesus has done for us. And that's why Paul, in his chains and circumstances, is calling us to remain in the Lord, in a personal relationship with him, walk with him, praise him, pray unto him, petition friends on your behalf, and find peace. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray favor over each one here today because I have never met anybody in my life to this point who is not walking through a circumstance or has been through a circumstance And so we know, Lord God, and we thank you for the reminder of this letter to the Philippian church that you are with us and you invite us to remain with you in the Lord. And so I pray favor and goodness over each one here in your holy name. Amen.